Hey Rockville, this is Susan Pittman in the garage. Uh, I'm about to bring you an interview with Monique Ashton. Uh, she's a city council member. She has announced that she's running for mayor of Rockville. When we interviewed her, we did not know that yet. Um, so that kind of makes, in hindsight, that makes the interview uh, a little more exciting. So my senior year in high school, in Mrs. Cooper's AP government class, we had a big debate on the freedom to versus freedom from. Now, obviously, I'm still thinking about this class discussion, and it's a conversation I've had many times over with lots of different people in many different contexts over the nearly 35 years since I sat in her classroom with all the Porsche posters and everything purple. My personal debate with Mrs. Cooper escalated when I refused to write a what I want my adult life to be like essay based on SMART goals. Who asks an 18 year old to write down a bunch of SMART goals? I don't know. So anyway, my argument was I wanted to have a happy life and it was my freedom to do so without ridiculous self-limiting SMART goals. She gave it back with an F and told me I could rewrite it, and I refused. I mean, seriously, it's my damn life. So I dropped a letter grade in a five-point class right before graduating. Clearly, I have never gotten over this. Her comment was, she had the freedom to assign any damn paper she wanted and the freedom to grade it according to her rules. Well, fair enough, Mrs. Cooper. Kind of a perverse win-win, but at least we both walked away with our integrity. It's a delicate balance between these two inverse approaches to life, and there's a place for both. The balance between freedom to and freedom from is an important one to keep in mind when we govern. Building community implies freedom to, while maintaining order means freedom from. Freedom to walk safe, pleasant streets with shady sidewalks or freedom from getting hit by a car. It's all in the approach. It's more nuanced than this. I realize that. But I often think of freedom to as expansive and freedom from as more about relieving fear and uncertainty. Well, when Matt Perkins and I interviewed Monique Ashton, what stood out was her expansive view of the city. She loves almost everything about Rockville, and we tried to get her to narrow it down, and she couldn't. And her approach is one that tackles removing obstacles for Rockville residents. Freedom to have a great life is not a bad approach for a council member to take on behalf of those being served. When we interviewed her, we were pretty sure she would run again, but she had not declared her candidacy. She since has been certified as candidate for mayor. Because three of our recent interviewees, Marissa Valeri, Kate Fulton, and Monique Ashton, are now running for mayor and council, we'll invite the other candidates to sit down and talk to us about what they think makes Rockville great. Because our interviews with Kate and Monique started out as women in leadership interviews, we'll ask everybody about that too. We have an interview coming up soon with Barry Jackson. Barry was uh, the president of the King Farm Assembly, which is an HOA Um, and he's running for council as well. So we'll talk to him next. Hey, Rockville. It's Susan Pittman, and it is Wednesday, May 3rd, in the garage with me, Matt Perkins. Andrea and Jamie are super busy with work and travel right now, and Matt is in the shade. 
And we are delighted to be joined by council member Monique Ashton. Monique, how's it going? How are you? I am delighted to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. I couldn't be in a room with two more incredible people. I think a lot of you, and um, I've seen how you have stepped up to serve. So thank you for having me and sharing this table with me. Oh, thanks, Monique. So you might know we interviewed this really wonderful man named Bob Blamire, who played a role in the development of Title IX and in the ERA. And so I'm just gonna write off the bat what, how, I, I guess I'm a little bit older than you, I'm not too much, but I was born the day before Title IX was introduced on the Senate floor. So I have, you know, I was in middle school when people really started to talk about it and then money was directed to women's athletics and I was at LSU when the women in STEM was introduced and it was not well received in all corners, right? So what do you think? What do you think about Title IX and educational opportunities for women and how it's improved our world and what's it done for you? I appreciate that question. Actually, my daughter did a, uh, an essay on this specific topic, so I got to hear her views. Oh, <laughs> so I want to give her some research credit here. Um, but what I will say is that people think about it purely from an athletics perspective. And in her research and me editing her essays and really just looking at what it meant for women to be able to get into education, to be able to have an opportunity to attend college. So it was not only um, them having a, a place at the table and being recognized for the, the strong ability they had athletically, but giving them that leadership opportunity to be in school, giving them an opportunity to even get into school for uh, something they were very good at and to get scholarship money in some cases uh, at some universities. Uh, that's incredible. How many doors have been opened for women to be able to attend college? I mean, I think that's a game changer yeah. for many families for poverty. And we know that you know there are different paths to uh, careers. You don't have to always go to college, but it is an important you know part. We can, the research shows that your income potential is that much higher. Um, and we are still, I would say, are not quite where we need to be, at least in terms of recognizing women in sports professionally. I think the college level, especially some of the basketball, mm -hmm. uh, you know, topics we've seen in the news lately have shown that at the collegiate level, it's, it's getting stronger. Uh, but we still have some work to do on the professional front and how much women athletes get paid <laughs> and how we recognize them and, and value them. But I, I see that was a game changer in our society. I also see the perspective that sometimes you have to have intentionality and policy makes a difference. And would we be where we were had we not had that policy? I would say no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things Bob talked about were assumptions that were made pre-Title IX, like men don't take typing class and women don't take extra science classes. So, and functionally couldn't go to college. Do you think that, or have you in your experience faced some of those assumptions in your education and in your professional life? Um, I was a, I did a minor in women's studies uh, at NYU undergrad. Um, and this has been something very important to me is, you know, what has, what, what has the history of women in our country been? Uh, what have we been through? <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think that a lot, of what you see today is socialized 
I think a lot of what people interpret and judge today are symptoms and not necessarily in characteristic of their inherent abilities. Uh, so that, that to me applies to gender examinations to me, that it applies to looking at how people judge populations of different socioeconomic classes or different races and ethnicities that has so much application. But I can say, you know, for me, I have, I've had to deal with a lot of, I mean, I'm an intersectional woman. <laughs> I, um, someone called me a minority. Um, I don't love the word minority because it um, applies a characteristic <laughs> and a less than, um, but, you know, I've had to deal with it. My mother always said, you have, you're gonna have to work harder than anyone else. And, you know, I took that to heart. Um, and I've been underestimated in the past. I've been, you know, I think most women have had their stories about their interactions in institutions and, um, you know, how they were either judged or whether there were inappropriate comments made. That, that has all happened to so many of us. Um, but it's only made me stronger. <laughs> yeah. And it's made me think about, you know, how important it is to have a seat at the table and to help change things for other people. Yeah. Yeah, you, you get little laid one too many times and eventually you, you've had enough, right? Maybe the first time you've had enough, at least eventually. <laughs> Matt, you and I are, are pretty close in age, so you... Thank you. You're welcome. I'm older. You are. And we, you know, we've gotten to know each other better over the last few months, but you'd like to remind me that you're older. Wiser? Uh, is he even wiser or I not? I feel like I'm taking the bullet on that one. Oh, okay. Well, right. I, we'll redirect. Redirect. I, I will say uh, there is no chronological age has very little bearing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I it's, am it's, immature. I, as am I. That's probably why we get along. Um, Matt, we're, the re where I was going with this is that even though we were very small when Title IX was new, it was kind of like... Bob had talked about how they slid it in with another law and it wasn't until you and I were middle and high school where people really started figuring out oh hey we have to fund women's athletics and we have to let women into school and to college we can't have quotas of we're only going to let in five percent of the ladies how is your life better because women had the opportunity to become educated and play sports and do all these other things I'm not going to start with the, as the father of daughters. Okay. I hate the metaphors. Um, professionally, I'm at an organization that is extraordinarily diverse and dynamic. My CEO is a woman. My president is a woman. My immediate boss is a woman. Her immediate boss is a woman. And her immediate boss is a woman. I work at a billion dollar national nonprofit that has four wholly owned subsidiaries being run by women. And that would not have happened without Title IX. Um, my experience growing up, my parents divorced when I was eight. My mother grew up in Western Pennsylvania and went to college but majored in one of the, I guess, two or three majors that women could major in during the early 60s. She majored in education and was not suited to be a teacher, so that didn't last long. Had to make her way through a professional career with having started by being pigeonholed and then made most of her professional career. And again, one of the few professions open to women on a large scale selling real estate as a realtor. Um, and then 
to see, even when I was in high school, you can see kind of the change in attitudes, probably through sports most to me, because that's what I concentrated on in high school. Um, but changing mindsets about from young women having expectations that were not there probably even five or ten years ago, I would guess, or, and that's the mid-80s. And then to have, now I get to the part where I get to say, as a father of two daughters who grew up in the 90s and aughts, um, and their ability to look toward any future that they could imagine for themselves, not being bounded by what people were telling them they should be. And, and making those choices. And one deciding to be more traditional for the moment, and one deciding to be more professional, but they got to choose what their life looked like and still do. That's really the key is having that choice. Yeah, I think I think that to me is what feminism is really about. It's about choice. It's not about judging those choices, right? It's about giving people real opportunity. And something you said also made me think about the fact that there are pathways to women in sports at the collegiate level also means that there are more opportunities for young girls um, to do sports at this level. Um, you know, I have two children, a son and a daughter. Um, I can say that, you know, my daughter loves to pick up balls. You know, she's, she's a basketballer. She, um, you know, she's played a volleyball and, um, you know, sports can help people learn structure. It can help people learn about teamwork and leadership um, it also gives self-confidence which I think is really important for young people uh, and also teaches you about losing and how to get back up and keep going yeah. <laughs> for that next game um, so I, I love that my children have an opportunity to play sports and that they can do so equally right and learn those lessons equally and yeah. can see examples of what that looks like Right. Yeah, I I went back to work after our son was born and Dave stayed home. It was pretty cool. I liked it. Um, so one of the things Bob did, and then we're going to move on from from this. But one of the things Bob did is he ran the field organization, um, the state field organization in Indiana, to have that state ratify the ERA, and they were the last state to ratify it. Um, and he talked a little bit about how the ERA didn't pass, and it was disappointing, but that the country changed and improved because of the debate. So what are we talking about here in Rockville that maybe, maybe they didn't get the way on, or maybe it didn't pass, or maybe it went nowhere, but we're better because we talked about it? Any, any thoughts on that? Something we've made progress on that maybe the debate and the process have been just as valuable as the thing we were trying to accomplish. Or are, maybe we're still trying, maybe it's something we're still working on. Um, that's a very good question. I think, I do love, I love the discussions we have on council, even though they're they're sometimes difficult or we're trying to balance, we're trying to balance a budget right now and it's like, you know, we want to do everything but inflation is, you know, taking bites at the apple. 
but I think how we can achieve um, access to housing, whether that means through our seniors, um, you know, we've been debating making sure we uh, keep the senior tax credits that are there and what we need to do at the legislative level, at the state level to help make that happen. Um, how do we do this balance of making sure that renters have an opportunity to live and you know, encouraging people to develop new properties? Those are debates that are not done yet. <laughs> um, but you know, how do we make sure that Brockville is accessible for everyone? And I think that's an ongoing discussion and I think it has changed over the decades, right? So I think that's a, an ongoing debate that I think we're getting better at, uh, but there's still work to do. Yeah, I think we, and I think you're, I would agree with that. I think we are better with the conversations around housing that we have. I, I might say, I agree with you over the decades, but I would say over the last four years, we've become better about talking to one another, especially about housing. It's still a loaded issue, I think. At least, you know, when you get into your neighborhood or your, you know, your little crew of people. Um, but I, 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 that's a good, I like, I think that's a good point. And I think your point about seniors, um, I think that's something I feel like it's right. We'll talk more about that. But Matt? Do you have anything you wanted to uh, sure. questions you wanted to throw out there? What's it like being on the council? Um, how, what is the job? Council member like, and how does it compare to what Paul Mike would like? So I can say that I have been so happy. Um, it's truly been a tremendous honor to be on council, and are the nights long? Sure. Do I sleep a whole lot less? Yes. <laughs> so I don't want to say it's, to me, if you are taking the job very seriously and you care deeply about every resident and every part of Rockville, you're thinking about the future all the time. And I'm not only just looking at what's going on here, but what are some of those macro trends, whether that's, you know, in housing or real estate or the economy or um, public safety. I love to look at how do we make this place better? How do we anticipate? Um, I appreciate that, you know, every time I go out, uh, I'm probably gonna get five questions. And I love it. I love to fix things. I love to help people. Um, and it's really also, like, as I said before, having a seat at the table to bring um, not only my academic knowledge, but my lived experience um, to know that I have come from, um, as one would describe a lower socioeconomic status and having through my education and through my parents and my community been able to uh, you know rise and see more things and have more opportunities and I want that for our city I think at a very human level many of us want the same things we want a safe community we want great neighbors we want our children to grow up if we do choose to have children in a place where they can thrive um, that's I see Rockville as not just what it is, but what it can be, and it makes me really excited. Okay, so you are on a council that is majority female, which is really awesome. 
Um, and it's nice that there's a mix, right? It's nice. I, I'm very proud of the fact that we have a majority female council. But it is nice to have men and women working together. Now, city leadership, the staff, all guys, right? All the directors, if I'm, if I'm thinking of this correctly, you got your big, your big department directors, they're all men. So that's an interesting dynamic. Well, I will say um, yes, but we actually have, um, during this term, we now have a female chief financial officer. Uh, that's right. great. Right. We also created a new department during this term dedicated um, to housing and community development, and that's a female region. Uh, we have a director of procurement, uh, which is also awesome, like that they're those finance mathematical positions, True. right? Um, and uh, we also have a uh, female uh, city clerk. That's uh, true. So, yep. you know, society isn't perfect and it's not always, always the same, but I think the city has been working to be more inclusive gender-wise. I think also um, ethnically different abilities. Um, we also also created um, a position that's focused on uh, disabilities, people with differing abilities. Uh, that wasn't there before, a whole de you know, dedicated person to that specific task. And I think that's important because people access our services in different ways and so um, we have to represent and understand the lens of the people that we serve. Very true. Very true. So what's your, you mentioned your background and your education. What's been your path to leadership? How is that all woven together to, because you're not just a, a leader on council, you are also a business executive. You're a leader in the office. So how, how is all, what's your path been? How have you gotten here? Uh, a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah. I will say I, you know, was blessed to have parents to say, don't just look at where you are. You know, you have limitless potential if you're willing to do hard work. <laughs> and I took that very seriously. My mother said, you're going to have to work twice as hard. Um, and that was okay by me. She also, you know, she, she, I still have this painting of Harriet Tubman in my house and that she gave to me when I was 17 years old. And through that symbolism was that you're going to have to sometimes do what you think is right, even though you may put yourself at risk. <laughs> and that it's not just about you. Um, so those were things that, fundamental things that shaped who I am. Um, I would say also I grew up with a community that said that we have to be part of solutions. And so I can very well remember very difficult times um, in my community neighborhood where I had to see one of my parents intervene on a very unsafe situation. Um, my mother, I'll never forget this, walking into elementary school um, pulled a kid out of a fight who had two broken ribs mm -hmm. and she sat me back and said, you stay here and I'm going in and I saw her with no fear at all just think about someone else even though her child was standing because <laughs> she said that you know you, when you see something you have to do something and that has stuck with me um, so you know I've, I've been working since I was 14 um, had, a, had a job um, my first job was in the library um, so while I was the first on that side of my family to, my mother's side of my family to graduate from high school, 
and then to go to college, that was a big deal uh, for my family at the time. Um, and it wasn't because of ability, because I can tell you I have some founders who are a lot smarter than me. <laughs> but you know, there's some environmental factors that play whether someone can make it through school, whether it's safe to make it through school. Um, and so I, I persisted, I, I studied really hard. I didn't have a lot of space to do it and it wasn't always safe to do. Um, but you know, I just knew that it wasn't just about me, it was also about service. Um, and uh, I went to NYU, then went to GW. I've done some uh, programs abroad in South Africa and Dominican Republic. Uh, and I became a presidential management fellow and worked also in uh, for the Office of the U.S. Surgeon General and CMS and many other places within HHS, the Department of Health and Human Services. And just really had opportunities to see leadership um, that you know, I was very fortunate to have mentors along the way who saw something, a spirit in me to want to help at least show me what they were doing. And I would always seek out mentors. Um, I was also fortunate to come to the company where I am now, uh, where we you know, plan national initiatives and, and start out from the bottom and rise to executive vice president. And I'm able to create national public health and science programs. I oversee large contracts, I manage teams, and I'm very passionate about that work as well because I'm very fortunate that it is also purpose-driven and the work really does make a difference, whether that is helping to bring new innovations to market or to help um, support public health goals, whether that's COVID or women's health, um, chronic disease. We, we just have done so many great things, but um, through it all, I you know have encountered some challenges that I just have my mom's head, even though she's not in my head. She's not alive anymore, but it's just saying, don't give up, keep going. Yeah, and and for me, um, you're one half of Rock Girls Power Company. <laughs> Full disclosure, I work for the same company as George. Um, how, what's it like being part of that power couple? And you talked about the purpose-driven life before. How, how does that help you commit to leading on? I will say, you know, one of the most important decisions you will make, and you can also choose not to make it, uh, but is, you know, who you put into your life or who comes to your life, um, because it's such an important impact on everything you do in your daily life. Um, I'm very fortunate to be married to George. Um, he is an incredible human being, and he has the same, you know, he's very spiritual and um, a person who you know, could have gone to just focus on business and focusing on material things. But when we first met, we actually negotiated some things that we would always call each other out. And <laughs> you know, that we wanted to, we felt like there was some gift that somehow we made it and that our job was to help others make it. <laughs> and we check each other every now and then, you know, on that as well. Like, okay, you know, just, you didn't come here for, for no reason. It's you are here and you have to step out on faith sometimes and go forward. But yeah, he's focused on, um, you know, as you know, uh, community development and he raises um, su and supports affordable housing. He has helped 
businesses access money that they would not have. Um, we have uh, built what's a, a social impact fund. It's like an investment bank for social impact, things that do good. And um, we love the job, so thank you for being at that organization because it's quite incredible. Yeah, I feel really lucky to be there and just am uh, so impressed with all that work that he's doing. Yeah. Um, true social entrepreneurship. It is, yeah. And I, I will say, what I, what does that mean for home life? <laughs> it means that we actually have meetings with our calendars spread out. And it's like, who's doing pickup here? And how are we supporting each other there? Or you're out of town here? And so we, we, really, we really have, it takes a lot of organization and planning. We've also done this thing where um, we take turns. And so it's like, you can sur you surge up, I will help cover this here. And then we, you know, that keeps everything in balance. Um, so it's anyone who has a partner out there, um, it, it does sometimes, especially when you have children, take a true partnership approach. And that was something I negotiated. I said, what you know about me is I, I am your equal, you are my equal. We will help each other be our best selves so important to have that um, that kind of support man or woman it's important to have that supportive partner so shout out to George yeah he's a great guy um, so women coming up behind you or people coming up behind you how do you encourage them what do you, what do you say to them they they look to you as a role model in our city what do you tell them so I, I actually love going to some of our area high schools um, and visiting some of the clubs. I was in the past week at four different schools, mm. <laughs> uh, but also just being in the community. Uh, there are also you know, women who are exploring different leadership positions. And I think the first thing is to give them your time you know, and to be available and accessible. I am a human being with a vision and a dream and I, you know, who wants to work hard. And I know that I didn't come here by myself. It was a village. And so I have to create a village. So I try to be accessible and say, look, I'm approachable. I'm a, I'm a person just like anyone else. Um, it's, I just have this privilege to be able to serve. And I actually think of this role as not just a leadership position, it's a service position, right? It's something Absolutely. that you have to be a steward of our community, our finances, our, you know, our name, because right? Rockville is a great place and you have to, you know, when you go out there and you speak, you represent Rockville. Um, so, you know, I tell, I tell people, depending on the level, I'm trying to open up doors and opportunities and help think through what does it take to do whatever it is you want to do. So last week I was at a high school helping some high school students to think about preparing for career interviews, right? Mm -hmm. And just trying to say, don't be intimidated, let's just talk and giving them feedback in a positive way and building them up because sometimes people, they have the capability and the skill. It's just about reinforcing in them that they have everything they need to be successful and believing in them. And then sometimes also opening a door, right? Um, that's something that we all have to do because someone did it for us. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, an important, you make a really good point that building people up is such an important part of being a leader. You have to reach back, right, and pull people up behind you. You've made that point a couple of times tonight. That's great. Um, so what do you want for your daughter? 
I want my daughter to just know that she can. And, uh, you know, for her, I want her to be a confident person uh, who is able to pursue whatever she wants to do. Right now, she wants to be a neurosurgeon. Awesome. <laughs> I, I do tell her how much schooling that will require. Uh, but as she also loves athletics, I, I want her to be happy. That's at the end of the day. And I want, I always tell my children as well that, um, you know, you're very blessed and um, you need to be a blessing to other people as well. So I, I just, for me, I hope that she is resilient. I hope that she is strong. I hope that she's already showing all those qualities because she manages up in our household all the time. <laughs> <laughs> And, and for my son, um, you know, they, they're just, being a parent is amazing, as you know, um, because you get to raise people and, you know, help them to be good people in the world who do good things. Um, but you also want them to be happy and to know how to also deal with the challenges. Because I say, you know, there will be challenges and how do you overcome them? It's, that's my job as a parent, to help them prepare for those things. Yeah. Yeah, you have kids, but you're raising adults, right? You're raising them to be adults. So Matt is going to ask the real question of the night. Yeah, so why are you eating these days? What am I eating? What are you eating? Where are you going with the eating? <laughs> this is a funny question because my husband will tell you, he'll be like, suggest a restaurant. I'm like, let me make sure it's in Rockville. <laughs> I try to spend most of my dollars in Rockville, <laughs> and I encourage other people to do the yeah, same. Absolutely. This the past, you know, three years, three and a half years have been so tough for our restaurants. You know, mm -hmm. to talk about disruption, right? Mm -hmm. um, they were one of the first places to have to close and uh, had a lot of limitations on them. So I, I really like to go to our, our, our restaurants in Rockville. I'll say there's a new restaurant in Rockville. That's actually, especially on Gibbs Street, a lot of new restaurants have come up. Um, we kind of closed the street because of COVID and created more of extended the park, if you will. And we've got a nice compliment. You could just go down that road and or even anywhere in the center and visit a different country, which I really love. Um, so whether it's, I love Elena Cat, I love La Carmela, like it's a, a new Nigerian restaurant called Echo House. How is that? I haven't tried that one yet. It's delicious. And the um, Nigerian ambassador actually came for the opening. Oh. How cool is that, right? How cool is that? <laughs> Such a Rockville thing, right? Then like it was no big deal. Yeah, yeah. the Nigerian ambassador showed up. <laughs> Whatever. I love the ambassador go back. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I love Pizzico. It's like we also have these little hidden gems, whether that's in Tornbrook, um, got a couple of Latin restaurants there. Um, Cooper's Hawk is another big one um, that came through, and you know they have a whole line of bars if anybody's interested in that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of places. Like there's there's even like the little shops where it's not necessarily a full sit down, but like Island Pride. I don't know if you guys have been there. I just I think there for the first time. Patties, Al Carbone, I've loved them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to give props to Island Pride for the roti and the curried chicken. Um, Deepa, my wife, from Suriname, that was what she grew up with. And she was really enjoying them. I mean, we've got all kinds of... I actually was talking to someone. There's a, a new restaurant 
in in Rockville called Paris Baguette, and it's a franchise. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to the owner, Jeremy, and I said, what made you think of Rockville? And he said, I come here to eat all types of Asian food from Virginia. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we are known for various ethnic foods here where people know to come. Um, we've got some great Southeast Asian food. We've got some great, um, whether it's pho or, you know, just there's a lot here. Um, so I love that you can eat the world here. And I know that the chamber and ready are going to be working on something to kind of promote that. And I, I like that the our restaurants often make the Washingtonian list. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of gems here. I will tell you coming from New Braunfels, Texas, it was, oh my God, it was overwhelming. It was just overwhelming. We're still eating our way through Rockville. Me too. Later. Me yeah, too. I know. And you, you know. never, you never, you like it through it. And I love meeting the owners of the restaurant when I can. It's like someone with a dream came up and put almost all their money into something. Yeah. That's why I say eat, eat in Rockville because these folks have really put a lot of the line to yeah, they have. to open a business. Yeah. What do you want? To, what do you want to talk about? We've been peppering you with questions for the last however many minutes. Our, you know, what do you? What's on your mind? Well, I, I want to thank you both because I know you both serve Rockville um, and whether that's on your various um, boards and commissions. And why do you do it? I don't know. <laughs> so the glamour? I don't know. Uh-oh, I think I cut out. Did I cut out? I don't know if that. Can you not hear me anymore? See it? I could hear you just without having it. Huh. I can hear myself through the headphones. Matt, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Is my mic working? I can hear you. Okay. Well, okay. Well, we'll just. Oh, my headphones cut out. Yeah, mine too. Oh, your headphones. Yeah, you laughed okay. too hard. Okay. Well, your head... back. It's back. It's back. You laughed. You laughed again. I... You laughed too <laughs> hard. Back. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. So, um... Now we got one for the blooper reel. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Test my poor editing skills. I, um... You know, I don't see it as a choice. I really don't. I, uh... I grew up in multifamily housing, in single-family attached housing. I grew up in it with... The, it took... A village to raise me and my brother we talk about this a lot and I don't I, I don't see any other way to do it to live my to live my life I don't know how you go how can I go from owning a single-family home is a huge aspiration to owning a wonderful one in a wonderful neighborhood and not put something into that um, and I like to be busy and I'm kind of a busy body so I don't know maybe that's maybe that would be my best short answer Matt? yeah I, I also don't see it as a choice um, it has to be done um, I, and in my career I get to travel across the country and be an expert but I'm completely dependent on grassroots nonprofits where people often just start them because they want to help um, and to see the work they do 
and how they prop up cities and communities um, just came to the realization that I had to contribute in that way too. Well, thank you. I, I hope other people are, are listening and how much joy it brings you. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it is a... It's it, not easy, but it's so worth it. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's such a... It's such a, a deeper and more meaningful way to connect with people. And I find that my friends who I connect with in this way are, um, I'm more comfortable with them. It's a better, it's just a, it, it's just a better vibe. And I, I, I would encourage everybody to get involved. You don't have to be elected. You don't have to be fancy and precious about it. Just show up. I agree. And their space is on boards and commissions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And hey, there's always extra chairs at the punk house on Urca meeting nights. And I'm sure at Twinbrook, Matt lives in Twinbrook, at Twinbrook meeting meetings. Always extra space. Though I will uh, tell an Elvis Costello story. Okay. No. I didn't okay. meet him. Or anything. But <laughs> oh. I went to his concert. It, it was, he was in the country phase, and, which was very different than his punk rock beginnings, mm-hmm. punkish. Um, and he was talking about how he got into doing country music and doing duets with Demi Paris, Elvis Costello. He talked about having conversations with his father about musical styles and how he didn't like certain things. And his father turned to him and said, you're writing a musical, come to me. And so boards and commissions may not be what you're interested in. I mean, I got into community work, coaching soccer, because I love soccer. Um, so there's lots of ways to serve the community. And when you're ready, the boards and commissions will be here. Yes. yes <laughs> Probably with a vacancy. Yes, most likely with a vacancy or five. Um. <laughs> and with lots of prestige. Yeah, lots of glamour. Lots of glamour. Um, yeah, I think that's. I, I just I think everybody should be doing it. I think so. I, I have to say I started out in high school, so it's it's never too you're never too young or too mature. Yeah, <laughs> and I I think talking just now now I'm going on too much, but there are times when and everybody hits a low point, and if I have a bad day, nothing makes me feel better than calling Debbie Landau and I'm talking of what can I help you with for Urca or whatever, picking up trash, doing something for someone else. It, when you can't figure out what to do to make yourself feel better, make somebody else feel better. Yeah. Speaking of picking up trash, I never thought I'd have so much fun doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very thankful. Uh, we, you know, the city does coordinate some of these neighborhood cleanups, but our neighborhoods also do so mm-hmm. much and so we don't even have to be on a commission to make a difference and i have found that some of the best conversations happen during that time plus you're cleaning up the space plus you always hear about 10 issues to help someone with. yeah <laughs> and so i'm always even though i'm picking their trash i'm usually taking notes and uh trying to make sure i follow up on those issues it's yeah. like it's like uh, riding in the car with your kids yeah you know when the kids are younger and they sit in the back seat they'll just tell you anything that's yeah. like picking up trash. <laughs> Riding in the car. My advice for parents of teenagers or upcoming teenagers is always just drive everywhere. Mm-hmm. Be quiet. Yep. Keep the music on, but not so loud you can't hear their friends in the backseat. Mm-hmm. Don't mind that so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry. 
Well, and I also have appreciate that you all have been involved in some of our neighborhood associations. Not every neighborhood has one, um, but I do think that's something that is special about Rockville. Mm -hmm. I, I've, on council, I have really enjoyed developing those relationships and you know that's something I even want to do more of. You learn so much about each community by getting out there, listening, and serving alongside and learning more about what people, what issues they have, what they need help with, what ideas they have to move Rockville forward. So, yeah, we're very lucky in the city. That's, that's a great place to live. What do we get right? I talked about senior citizens, and, and I we're going to have uh, Kevin Leary on uh, from the Senior Commission to talk about that more specifically. But it seems to me that that is something that we get right. What else do we get right? So on the senior side, I will say, uh, or even just in general, I feel like Rockville's a little bit like Cheers in some ways. You know? <laughs> it, it's the first place I've ever lived where like your neighbor is, you know, we're sharing garden tools, we're looking out for each other's space, we're checking in and sending alerts when they hear something. I think that friendliness and that like, we are a community, I think, is a deep part of our fabric. Uh, I think we get that right. I think we care a lot about our seniors. So whether that is we help take them to the grocery store, we bring them to the senior center, help to people do their taxes. We have, during COVID, we were sending people home, you know, we were delivering food all over the city. Um, we create, actually the Secretary of Health of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services came to Rockville Senior Center and said it was a model for the country. Um, everything from fitness to, um, you know, even helping with different types of skills to creating opportunities to have fun and take field trips. Uh, you know, it's a very, very special place. Um, Rec and Parks, I think, is also pretty remarkable, and I think that is a big way that people can feel the spirit of Rockville from that early six-month-year-old, you know, swim class to the field trips and to the future leader programs that we have for our teens. That's something I've actually been trying to push more on, um, you know, being able to be connected to so many families and young families to know, guys, I'm hearing this in my community, we need more of this. So for example, we just expanded some of the summer camp opportunities because I saw wait lists and I was like, my gosh, you know, some of these programs are like Beyonce and Taylor Swift tickets, you know, mm -hmm. like it fills up in the first five to 10 minutes. And so I was like, we got to do better. Let's, let's, you know, get, expand the access. Uh, and it took some work, but we got there. Um, and I think that is the Rockville way, right? It's like not just saying what is, but what can be. Um, I think that's strong. Um, we are doing more to be a business friendly environment, I think. Um, so you can actually get technical assistance if you're looking to open a business through Ready um, or through the Maryland Business Center. I've sent many businesses over there, and the Chamber has a role in supporting businesses as well. They help some of our business open. Um, I think that is right. Um, I think public the way we treat public safety, right? I, before what happened, the ugly, terrible um, George Floyd. I don't even know how to describe it. It's an abomination of what happened to him. But I will say that has been happening for years, but I think because of COVID and everyone's eyes was on it, it took new life. 
But I am proud to say that before that happened, Rockville was already taking an approach of a community-oriented approach um, to being an officer. And I know you, you created the Community Policing Advisory Board um, to do even more of that, and I'm proud of that work as well. There's all, I could go on for hours here with <laughs> what we get right. <laughs> yeah. Really and we just hired a licensed, licensed mental health clinician yeah. uh, within the police department who's going around all calls. Yeah, I saw that. That was really cool. I'm glad they did that. And not all of it is government. It's the whole stakeholder community. So I, you know, we've had the village program where people mm -hmm. are coming together to help each other. So I, I think we are all in this community and it's great because we're all doing something to make it better. I think that's the biggest part of what we get. Yeah, yeah. we have a pretty tight knee within our community, it's nice. Well, Monique, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We know how busy you are and how much good you're doing for the city. We appreciate it. Thank you. I um, am very appreciative to both of you, not only smart, but compassionate. And uh, thanks for allowing me to talk about some issues here in the city. I'd be happy to be back anytime. All right. Thanks a bunch. And Jamie wasn't here to talk about pickleball. We'll have to talk about pickleball oh. next time. Oh, yes. And skate jams that we have with skateboarding. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>